You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 if you would. If you don't have your own copy of the Bible, see me after the service today. I want to make sure that everyone has a copy of the Bible. Uh, Everybody needs to own the Bible, read the Bible, obey the Bible. And so uh, if you need a copy of the Bible, see me today. I want to get one in your hands. Uh, Today we're taking a look at Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our study. uh, We've entitled Alive Together. This was our theme from 2018. Uh, We didn't make it all the way through the book of Ephesians by the end of the year, so we're continuing on with that uh, study uh, that we have. We're just going verse by verse through the book of of, uh, Ephesians. Uh, this is uh, s- message number 42, I think, from this series. Uh, so if you, mi- if you missed any of those, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're at the, this morning. We're taking a look at why Christians sing. The Bible gives us uh, guidelines and, uh, as to how we sing and why we sing. Uh, we'll take a look at that this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to see uh, start in verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15. See then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So the whole context of this is that you and I would walk in wisdom and be wise, uh, knowing what God expects of us. Uh, verse number 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse number 19 is where we're going to spend our time this morning, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in our name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Music is uh, just part of our life. You can't go anywhere that you don't hear music, whether you're sitting down in a restaurant, uh, whether you're waiting at the airport, whether you're in an elevator and you hear the really terrible music that they play in elevators for whatever reason. Uh, you can't escape music. Uh, for some of my earliest memories of childhood were uh, hearing music. Uh, my dad uh, loved music. We had an eight-track player that my dad had put in one of his pickup trucks. If you don't know what an eight-track player is, you missed out on it. It was awesome, right? Uh, and so uh, the eight-track tapes, and then uh, we, uh, as a child, I remember getting my first, we called them jam boxes back in the day, your own little uh, radio that you had that you put tapes in and stuff like that. I remember as a kid uh, watching Alvin and the Chipmunks on Saturday morning, and I was so excited because I'd gotten my jam box and I'd gotten a blank tape that I'd bought at Walmart. And I was sitting by the television when Alvin and the Chipmunks came on, and I hit play and record at the same time and put my jam box up to the TV and turned it up really loud, and I recorded the Alvin and the Chipmunks intro song. Isn't that awesome? See, kids these days don't understand the thrill of doing something like that. They just go to YouTube and hit it, put it on repeat. That's terrible. You've missed out on a part of being a child and stuff like that, you know? Blank tapes. They don't even know what that is anymore, right? But uh, some of my earliest memories of a child is, is music. Uh, again, being in church and growing up in church uh, my whole life, just hearing a different song sung by different people, and, and music was a part of everything. Uh, you go to a wedding, what do they have? They have music there. You go to a funeral, what do they have? They have music there. Uh, everything seems to revolve around music of some sort. So it's no coincidence that God expects music to be part of the Christian life. It just is. It's part of uh, who we are. It's a part of our relationship with God. Uh, it's part of what we do together as Christians when we gather together for 
corporate worship like we did uh, this morning together. Uh, music is just part of the Christian life. It's part of the world that we live in. Uh, and again, like any part of the world, there's good music and there's bad music. There's music that draws our heart to God. Uh, there's music that repels our heart from God. Uh, and it's about knowing what God expects from us and falling in line with that. And so t- this week and next week, we're gonna take a look at music. Uh, today, we're gonna t- take a look at why Christians sing. Uh, what's the big deal? Why do, we, uh, why do we sing? What reason do we have to sing? Next week, we're gonna take a look at what types of music we sing. Uh, so I, I encourage you to be here next week for that uh, as well. As we take a look in your notes, if you're taking notes this morning, I recommend that you do. Now, the first word that we find in the Bible, sometimes people get confused, uh, is praise and worship. The first word praise means to glorify or the act of glorifying God. This is frequently used in communal worship, uh, like we've gathered together to do that. The activity of God's creatures in honoring God because of his acts and his nature of God. An expression of gratitude or thanksgiving to God for his care and concern, especially as shown through his redemptive acts. So praising God would be giving gratitude, giving thanks to God for all that he did. This morning when we sang, we sang praises unto God for all that he had done. Uh, We talked about what Christ had done on the cross and what that meant for us and how thankful we are for what Jesus Christ has done. We even sang a song called Jesus Thank You. It was a, a song of praise and gratitude because we were once the enemies of God, but now we're adopted into the family of God and we sang praise to God. The next word is worship. Worship is the odd response at the saving acts and the praiseworthy character of God. Think of worship as this, standing back and looking at God for who he is and just being wowed by God. It's a recognition of the awesomeness of God. It's a recognition of who I am in relation to who God is. Uh, Isaiah, uh, as he wrote, He said, all of the nations are as a drop in the bucket to God. It's a recognition that you and I are so small in comparison to an infinite God. That is a recognition of worship. It goes a little bit deeper than that, though, as well. It's the uh, reverential response of a creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. Bowing down in the presence of God is an outward display of an inward attitude of reverence before the creator. Uh, The word proskuneo, as it's found in the Greek language, which the New Testament would have been written in, the word worship there literally means to be laid out on your face before God. Uh, That's what the idea of worship is. So the idea of worship is just a a part of the song service that we have uh, is a misnomer on what the word worship means. Uh, The word worship means laid out before God on my face in recognition of who he is. Uh, we found in our uh, theme verse this year, launch out, uh, that Jesus uh, commands Peter to let down the nets. Peter brings in uh, a massive haul of fish, and he immediately bows down before Jesus and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That was an act of worship. Hey, I get it. You are God, and I am not. I am just a mess of a human being, and you are so infinitely higher than me. I, I can't even stand in your presence, God. It was an act of worship as he bowed down before the Lord there in that case. Again, the word uh, worship uh, means to bow down in an act of worship. Uh, the word kompto uh, is found in the, the Greek language, signifies the bending of an ear, bowing down in reverence to God. Uh, other words for praising God, this would be more of praise. The word uh, doxazo, which comes from the Greek word doxo, which means glory or the act of giving God glory. And eulogio, which means to praise or to bless God. And so the idea behind this is, is that praise is gratitude for God, for all that he's done. Worship is a recognition of the awesomeness of God in light of the sinfulness of man and the uh, idea of lifting his name higher than any other thing in creation. That's the idea of praise and worship. They're not the same, they're different. 
And praise and worship, unfortunately, uh, for the, the church age today, does not just mean songs that we sing. It's a lifestyle that we live. Uh, so often people say, well, I really enjoyed the praise and worship portion of the service today. This whole service today is praise and worship, the entire thing from beginning to end. When we receive an offering, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna worship the Lord in our tithes, our offerings, and our first forgiving. So even when we receive the offering today, uh, it's not just a time where we listen to a song and they pass the plate and we throw a couple bucks in. This is our opportunity to worship the Lord together. God, I give to you because you're so great. I give back to you because you've been so good to me. I give in worship and recognition of who you are. I give in praise because everything that I have belongs to you. That's an act of praise and worship, simply giving to the Lord. When we come to the end of this message, we'll have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard in the message today. That's a recognition that, God, I need to change. I'm not on the level that I need to be on yet, and I want to make some changes in my life, and I'll have the opportunity to come before the Lord and bow down in prayer before him and say, God, I need your help. It's a recognition of worship that we have. So again, the idea that worship is just the song portion of the service uh, really doesn't understand what the words praise and worship mean in a biblical sense. All singing is not worship, and all worship is not singing. That sounds like a really simple statement, but for whatever reason, people sometimes confuse that. Uh, they think that when we sing, uh, that's just worship. Did you know that you can sing a song without worshiping? Did you know that? We uh, I had the opportunity to travel with a friend to uh, Malaysia for 10 days a, a few weeks ago, and we went, and, and a couple of the church services that we went to were, were singing in the, the Malay language, the Bahasa language, which I did not know. And they were singing their guts out, and they had the words on the screen, and I don't want to just be the guy that stands there with his hands in his pockets. And so I assumed that they're praising God, and so I just sang whatever was on the screen. I didn't know what I was singing, but I knew what my heart wanted to say to God. And I was singing the song, but I was not worshiping in the way that they were because I wasn't connecting with the message of the song the way that they were. But I was worshiping the Lord nonetheless. Just because you read words on the screen does not make worship for you. Uh, just because we all sing along together doesn't make worship. Oftentimes people uh, take a, a song service and make it just another version of Christian karaoke where we just sing the words that are on the screen. We get a little bouncing ball on the screen. We all just follow along. That's not worship. Sometimes people don't want to sing because they don't know the tune or maybe they uh, have never heard the song before so they just kind of sit back and put their hands in their pockets and watch everybody else. That again is not worship. Worship is not getting all the notes right. It's not about saying the right words at the right time. Worship is about connecting my heart with the heart of God and praising him and standing in awe of who he is. That's what worship looks like. So just because we sing doesn't make it worship. And just because uh, we call something worship does not mean that it is singing. Uh, I was talking with a friend a few uh, weeks ago, and he said, uh, my, my family, after uh, Sunday morning service, we went on, a, went on a hike and we worshiped together. And he goes, we didn't sing, we worshiped the Lord together. I knew exactly what he meant. Him and his family were together in nature, taking in the awe and majesty of who God is. That's worship. That's a good thing. Uh, man, if you, if you surf, man, go out on dawn patrol and watch the, uh, the sun as it comes up over Diamond Head. Man, that's an act of worship, recognizing who God is. Now, please understand, you cannot replace private worship with corporate worship. You don't get to go surfing on Sunday mornings and skip church and say, well, I would worship the Lord my own way today. That's not biblical, okay? But hey, look, if you want to go for a run in the morning and, and praise God and worship him, do it. Man, uh, there's been times before where I've been running down the street with my hands over my head praising God before. I think to myself, people probably look and see if someone's chasing me or something like that. But man, I'm just praising God. There's been times where I've been on the treadmill at the gym uh, early in the morning with my hands up while I'm running, praising God. That's, that's an act of worship and praise. 
And so uh, there's been times before where I've sat uh, with my Bible in my lap, just stopped with my hands up, reading the Bible in worship and praise. No music taking place, just worshiping and praising God for who he is. In my office, I have a, a hymnal that I have on the desk, and sometimes I'll flip through the hymnal, and uh, there'll be songs I've never heard before in my entire life, and I don't even know what they sound like, but I read the words, and my heart connects with those words, and I just, I just speak that to God in an act of worship and praise. I don't know the song. I don't know the tune. I'm not even trying to sing it, but I recognize the awesomeness of who God is, and I want to praise him and worship him for such. So it's important to understand that worship is not a song that we sing. Worship is a heart that we bring. A worship is not uh, a necessarily a time that we get together on Sunday morning to sing. Worship is my life. Uh, tomorrow, uh, most of us will get up and go to work tomorrow. And our work and how we work and the way that we work and the, the attitude that we have is an act of worship to the creator who gave us the ability to have a job. So my life, my work is worship. The way that I raise my children is an act of worship because I teach them God comes first in everything that we have. In our time, our talent, our treasure, God comes first. Uh, we make church a priority because God is first in our lives. And the way that I'm raising my children is an act of worship. It's in response to the awesomeness of who God is. Uh, the way that I treat my wife is an act of worship because God has given me an incredible gift to steward or to manage. Uh, and the fact that he's given me a spouse, I want to treat her and love her. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, which we'll get to in a few weeks, that I should love her the same way that Jesus loves his church. And I want to do that to her as an act of worship to who God is. Hey, the way that I take care of my car is an act of praise and gratitude. Hey, God's given me a, a car. I want to take good care of it because it doesn't belong to me because I want to steward it well. That's an act of praise and worship to who God is. I'm just trying to help you understand it's every aspect of life. And when we marginalize praise and worship to 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, you've missed out on the whole biblical concept of praise and worship. It's so much bigger than that. But praise is part of what we sing. Worship part of is what we sing. And definitely in the context of this passage uh, this morning, it says that we should sing together. We sing, first of all, because we have been redeemed. If you missed last Sunday night's message, you really got to listen to it. Uh, not because uh, it was a greatly delivered message. It was just a lot of great biblical truth. We talked about uh, propitiation, expiation, redemption, uh, reconciliation, and what those words mean. And the idea of being redeemed means that you were held ransom. The word redeemed and ransom could be used kind of interchangeably here. In the fact that there was a price on your soul and Jesus came and paid the price in full and redeemed you, purchased you back, and now you belong to him. And that's the reason we sang this morning because I once was a slave to my sin. I once had no hope. I once was without uh, any ability to do anything on my own, and Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. So I have a song to sing now because I have been redeemed. Singing in the New Testament always relates to praising God together. Again, we're commanded here uh, in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was written to the churches at Ephesus. Uh, and so in this case here, or the, the church at Ephesus, uh, the book of Colossians uh, was written as well. Two times in the New Testament we're commanded to sing, and it gives us the guidelines and parameters in which we sing 
Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Other times that we see of singing, it's, it's speaking in the book of Revelation, where the church gathers together in heaven, all those that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb will gather together in heaven and sing. Now, uh, I remember as a kid hearing my pastor say, uh, well, I hope you enjoyed singing this morning because when we get to go, to go to heaven, we're gonna be singing for all of eternity. And that sounded like the worst thing in the world to me as a kid. I thought to myself, every single time they'd say, uh, turn to this song and turn to that song, I think, do I really have to stand up for another one? And when I was a kid, we had hymnals. And, you know, you open the hymnal and you see there's eight verses in a song and you're just like, I really hope they're not singing all eight verses. And every now and then, good Baptists would say, well, let's sing the first, second, and the last. That was always good. Sometimes they go, we're going to sing all eight verses. And as a kid, I remember going, all eight verses. So the idea of going to heaven and standing around with a hymn book singing all 180, 12 verses, 182 verses, you know, thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be terrible. Please know heaven will not be boring. I promise you that, okay? And there won't be, here's the great part about heaven too. There's not going to be any songs that you don't like in heaven, you know? And I'll be like, oh, I wish there was a skip on this one because I hate this song, you know? Uh, it's the thing with Pandora and Spotify sometimes. It's just like, that song's a bummer. I'm going to give it a thumbs down, you know? We're not going to thumbs down any songs in heaven. Why? Because we will be with the object of our worship. Oh, we will no longer need faith anymore because we will see the risen Christ face to face. We'll get to praise him and worship for all of eternity. And again, it doesn't mean standing around singing in a group for all of eternity. It means praising God for all of eternity. Uh, Revelation chapter five, verse number nine, they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. And thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 14, 3, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and elders. No man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Revelation 15, 3, and they sang a new song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. So we see again in the New Testament that all singing was praise unto God. We don't sing songs to each other. Uh, we don't sing songs about each other. We sing songs to God. We sing songs about God. We sing to remember and to teach the wisdom of God's word. <coughs> I love the fact that our kids in Super Church learn songs. Uh, and they're songs that, that, that I knew when I was a kid, some songs I've never heard in my entire life. And I love to hear uh, the songs that, that my kids sing. Uh, last night, uh, we were uh, driving around in the parking garage trying to find a place to park. And my daughter's in the back seat. She's, uh, she's uh, 10. And she's singing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And she stopped. I go, praise ye the Lord. She goes, oh, you know that? I go, of course I know that. <laughs> and so then she starts doing what all kids do. She cranks up the volume to like 11, right? It's like, okay, we're not going to scream in the car. We can praise the Lord, but we don't have to scream, okay? But I love it because my daughter is understanding biblical truth. And we use songs to teach kids God's word. And it's interesting, uh, we use our songs in our church services to teach people God's word. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse number 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So the, God's word should dwell in me richly. I need to know the Bible and the Bible doesn't need to just be part of my mind, it needs to be part of my being. That it would dwell in me richly. How do I do that? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. <clears throat> this is why it is so incredibly important that you and I, when we sing music, 
when we listen to music, when we worship and praise with music, that it is doctrinally accurate music. This is really important. Uh, I'm going to tell you something because I love you. All music on the radio, even when it's called Christian radio, is not Christian. Every book in a Christian bookstore is not Christian. So we must be discerning. I have to know the Word of God so that I can teach the Word of God, so I can live the Word of God. And listening to music that is doctrinally inaccurate does not help me to know the Word. It actually helps me to learn untrue doctrine, which is bad. Uh, there's a couple of songs on the radio that, that just... Every time I hear it, I want to call somebody on the radio and tell them, stop playing this song. Uh, there's one song, it must have been something in the water. And she went down to the river and she got baptized and she came up and, and something was different and it must have been something in the water. No, friend, it was something in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's for sure. Uh, water does not wash away our sins. It can only be the blood of Jesus Christ. I hate that song. Uh, there's another song, down to the river, going down to the river, down to the river, down to the river to pray. Something, 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 come up in amazing grace. I've been washed, washed, washed in the water. No, 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 no. You don't get amazing grace from baptism. That's what false doctrine teaches. You receive salvation. You receive God's amazing grace through faith in Christ's blood and his redemption. That's the only way that you receive it. So I hate music that's doctrinally inaccurate. You say, Pastor, it's just Christian radio. It's positive and encouraging. No, it's not. It's not. Bad doctrine is not positive. It's negative, and it's discouraging, okay? So when those types of songs come on the radio, I always do this. I turn the radio station, and I tell my kids why. We're not listening to this song because it teaches false doctrine. Here's what it says. It says, baptism saves you, but only Jesus can save you. Moving on. Again, we have to sing music that's doctrinally accurate. There's, there's songs that we sing here at Hui Kala that we have changed words to the song uh, because it didn't say what the Bible said. Uh, there's songs that we uh, are a lot of fun to sing that we don't sing at Hui Kala because they're not doctrinally and biblically accurate. And so music is meant to teach us the Bible so we need to find music that is biblically and doctrinally accurate and that we can sing that in our hearts as praise to God, as worship to God, uh, and to remember the good things of God. Uh, I, currently, right now, I, I currently pick out every single song that we sing at Hui College. So if you, if you don't like the music, uh, first of all, it's not for you. Um, but secondly, you can blame it on me if you want to, all right? Um, but the, the, I want to pick music every single week that, that is uh, synonymous with the word. Uh, that, we're, that we're preaching, but also is kind of our season of life and season of our, our church and ministry and things along those lines. I want to sing songs that are familiar to us. Uh, we, nothing against new songs. We sing several new songs here. Uh, and some of you, uh, since I've been redeemed, that's not a new song, but it was new to you that you learned this morning. Uh, that's a really good hymn. Uh, music ties us back to previous generations. Uh, my great-grandparents sang Amazing Grace. Uh, my grandparents sang The Old Rugged Cross. Uh, we need to know these songs. And we're, uh, uh, we, we're doing generations a great disservice when they know down to the river and they don't know the old rugged cross it's, it's just not helpful and i'm not saying we got to be old fuddy duddies and stuck in the past i'm all for uh, new songs and things along those lines as long as they're doctrinally and biblically accurate but we sing together to teach one another the word to grow in the word together who do we sing with we sing with the church Who's the church? The church is made up of a body of saved, baptized believers. Uh, we gather together every single Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, to sing. Why? Because the Bible commands us to. It's part of our worship of God. But our singing doesn't stop whenever we stop at church. And you should sing in the car on the way to work. If you've got to commute like a lot of folks do, man, use your commute time as an opportunity to worship and praise God. 
Use your commute time as a time to grow in your faith. Don't just use it as a lost time or to get frustrated with people on the road and things along those lines. We, we sing with the redeemed. We're here together. Most of us this morning are gathered together because we want to be with other Christians. This is our family. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet some folks from, uh, I said, I heard you guys were visiting from Minnesota. And they said, well, actually, it's Massachusetts. I said, it's cold and it starts with an M. That's all that I know. Uh, I, I don't miss anything cold weather. But I said, thanks for being here today. You're with family today. And so we feel like it. Why? Because they're here from the other side of the United States. And he said to me, when we're on vacation, we still want to worship the Lord in church. Man, that does my heart good. That you took a vacation, but you didn't take a vacation from God. You wanted to be with God's people that you go from a place like Massachusetts to Hawaii and you still carve out a couple hours on your schedule to be in God's house with God's people. Why? Because we gather together as family every single week and we sing together. Why? Because we've been redeemed. Here's the fact of the matter. I was born an enemy of God. I was not born a child of God. I was born into sin, the Bible says. Because of my sin, I was an enemy of God. I was a stranger of God. But Jesus Christ died in my place to save me from my sins. As a nine-year-old boy, I put my faith and trust in Christ as my Savior. I recognized that I'd broken God's law and I'd sinned against Him. I asked God to save me and forgive me of my sins and repented that day. I didn't fully grasp the, the depths of the Bible and the depths of salvation at nine. I just knew I'd broken God's law and I needed to be saved. And at nine, year old, nine years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I was adopted into the family of God. Now, if you are here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or you've been born again, honestly, the music that we sang today didn't mean a lot to you. If there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved and forgiven of your sin, where you recognize the penalty of your sin is death and hell for all of eternity, and you came to that realization that, hey, I'm either gonna have to put my faith in Jesus to save me or I'm gonna spend eternity in hell separated from God, I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you've never gotten to that point today, then the music that we sang this morning probably didn't mean a lot to you. It was just kind of Christian karaoke for you. I'm just gonna sing along with the words and kind of a neat little song and some of these are kind of fun and maybe you wanna clap a little bit and stuff like that, but it meant nothing to you because our song will not connect with the unsaved world. It just doesn't. I had uh, gone to a Catholic funeral uh, beginning of this year. And let me just tell you, I sat there thoroughly confused the entire time. Why are we standing up? Are we really supposed to repeat this? Why are we doing this again? And I looked around at everybody else. Everybody else was kind of confused too. Nobody really knew what was going on. There was about, out of all the people, there was about five people that really knew what was going on, when you were supposed to stand up, when you were supposed to sit down, what you were supposed to do and stuff like that. And I didn't do anything. I just stood there kind of with my hands in my pockets. I wanted to be, to be there because there was a friend that I, that I dearly loved that I wanted to support there. And I just stood there. I smiled. I had a, a good attitude. But I, didn't, I didn't participate at all. You know why? Because I'm not a Catholic. I don't get what's going on there. It made zero sense whatsoever to me. And I think to myself, when unsaved people come into our services, they might enjoy the fact that there's people around that are happy, that are singing songs, but the truth of the message doesn't really connect with them. It doesn't make sense because they have not been redeemed. You know, to, to hear a song like we sang this morning, once your enemy, now seated at your table, by your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy, you've made your friend. Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace, your mercies and your kindness have no end. 
Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. If you're a child of God this morning, that should have done something to your heart. Whether you like the melody of it or not, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. The truth of the message was so powerful. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. That should do something to my heart because of the redemption that I've received. I have a song I love to sing since I have been redeemed. The song of my Savior King, since I have been redeemed, 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 I will glory in his name. I will glory in my Savior's name. That should mean something. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthems drown all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me and hail him as thy matchless king for all eternity. Oh, man, that should fire us up. But sometimes we're thinking to ourselves, do I need to go to the bathroom right now or do I wonder how long the message is going to last today? I want a second cup of coffee, but I'll definitely have to go to the bathroom if I get that second cup of coffee. This coffee's a little bit stronger than it was last week. I should have gotten two pumps of vanilla instead of one. And we, we miss out on the majesty and the awesomeness of God. But if you're not a child of God, this music is just kind of honestly, it's bad music. <laughs> Seriously. If you're not a child of God and you don't connect with the message, this is just really bad music led by a really guy, bad guy that can't even sing. But we sing with our voice. Again, if we take a look at verse number 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do we sing? We sing in psalms. One of the largest books in the entire Bible is the book of Psalms. It was a so song and poetry book. This is how they sang. They sang in the Psalms. If you ever want to be encouraged, read the book of Psalms. Some people have uh, even put the, the Psalms to music. I believe the early church probably did that. Uh, in the uh, first couple centuries of the church, they probably put most of the Psalms to, to music and sang them together congregationally. Uh, some folks have even done that in, in modern day as well as some of the Psalms. I think it's, it's excellent. But the idea is we're going to take these truths of the Bible, and we're going to put them to music that will glorify and magnify the Lord. Next, we sing in, in hymns. These are songs that praise God and bring worship to Jesus. Um, I'm in the process of right now getting together uh, some, some hymnals that we'll have on sale next week. Uh, I think I've cleared out just about every third-party seller on Amazon getting hymn books. Uh, hymn books are expensive. Most people don't know this, but hymn books are like 30, 40 bucks a piece. Uh, so uh, they're ridiculously expensive. So I found a bunch on Amazon that are like five and six bucks a piece, and so I'll have some of those next week. But I believe every family should have a hymnal. Uh, just because hymns are so rich in, in good Bible doctrine, most of them, again, uh, hymns connect us with previous generations, uh, and hymns bring back good memories that we have of, of churches that we've been in or times in our life that we've, uh, we've put our faith in Christ. I was talking to my dad uh, several years ago and asked my dad uh, how he got saved. He said he got saved when he was a little boy at First Baptist Church in Benton, Kentucky. And he said, I'll never forget as long as I live. He said the offer, the uh, the um, hymn of invitation that day was just as I am. 
And so my dad heard the song, walked forward. Uh, they had an altar call where you meet the pastor at the front. He asked you why you're coming forward. He told him to get saved. And my dad got saved, and he walked the aisle just as I am. I'm saying just as I am a few weeks ago here at church. That connects this generation with a previous generation. Again, when we lose hymns and good songs of the faith, uh, we lose good stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes we sing uh, on Sunday nights, a, a lot of times as our dismissing song that we sing, we sing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That song is almost 500 years old. That song has been sung by Christians for centuries. There's good stuff there. Hey, uh, the song we sang last week, uh, Living Hope, I heard that for the first time probably three months ago. And I, I heard it, and I just got choked up. I couldn't talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ... My living hope, man, it was so good. Hey, song's a new song. There's nothing wrong with new songs. They're good. There's nothing wrong with, with hymns either. We can't take one or the other. Uh, you know, it, it grieves me, churches who say, we're not going to sing any song that's written in the last 200 years. You're missing out on some really good music. And then there's, there's churches who say, we're not going to sing anything that hasn't been put out in the last six months. You're missing out on a lot of really good music. Uh, and so hymns connect us together as the body of Christ, and it connects Christians together worldwide. Uh, Angela, I have been to church services before uh, where, now mind you, uh, I'm not a super Christian or anything like that. I'm still on my, my journey of discipleship myself, but uh, I've been in church my entire life, three services uh, a week uh, from the time I was 18. Uh, I've missed, I can count on both hands the number of church services that I've missed in the last uh, 20 years or so. I mean, I'm in church a lot. Uh, I'm a pastor. I listen to all worship music and all Christian music and things like that. And when Angela and I go to a church, and I, I don't know a single song that they're singing, nothing. And I look around, and nobody else knows it either. And it seems like you, you just kind of sit back because the, the crew up here on the stage, they're going to lead us in worship, and they're going to do their thing, and we're all just going to kind of stand back and watch. Friends, w- when we do that, we're missing out. And I'm not trying to be critical of the way anybody else does anything. I don't have time for that. I'm just saying we at Huikala, we love hymns because hymns connect us to previous generations. Hymns have good, solid, doctrinal, biblical truths that we can latch on to, and hymns grow us together as a church. The third category is spiritual songs. These are other songs that exhibit some type of spiritual truth. Maybe they're not a psalm. Uh, they're not directly connected to the Bible. Maybe they're not a, a hymn in the fact that they're uh, something would be familiar in a way of exaltation to God, but they're a spiritual song. The, the, oftentimes the songs that we hear uh, sung as a special music today would kind of be the spiritual songs category. Maybe it's not a hymn that we would all sing together. Uh, maybe it's not even good for a congregational uh, singing together, but we have the opportunity uh, to worship together as it's sung before the preaching of the message. Uh, you'll notice also b- before uh, uh, usually Andrea or one of our soloists will sing on Sunday morning, I said, feel free to sing along if you like. Why? Because this is not a performance. This is not uh, somebody that we're going to sit back and go, wow, they're a really good singer. We're going to sit back and worship and say, wow, what a really great God. What an incredible truth of that, that song. That song speaks to my heart. If you want to sing, sing. You're not going to interrupt anybody. Uh, you're not going to uh, make anybody angry that's sitting beside you because you're singing and, and you should, they just want to listen. The whole idea is that we're worshiping together. How do we sing? We sing from the heart. That's why really it doesn't matter if you're a good singer or not. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We sing from our heart. We don't necessarily sing because we have a well-trained voice. Uh, I'm not a good singer, but I love to sing because I have a song to sing of what God's done for me. And we sing with our heart. One of the key, I would say, red flags for me as a pastor, let me just help you with something this morning. I love every single person here, even if you're here for the first time. I love you. I'm glad that you're here. If, if last week was your first time, you're here back for the second time. I love you, and you're automatically part of the family just by being here today. 
It's my job as a pastor to guide you. The, the term pastor literally means a shepherd who will guide someone along a certain path. So it's my job as a pastor to guide you along your spiritual journey and help keep you on track and make sure that you walk your spiritual path with as much joy as possible. And so when I see you veering off the path, my job as a pastor is to help to get you back on track. So sometimes that'll come in the form of a, a text message saying, hey, missed you in church on Sunday morning. Sometimes that's an email saying, hey, uh, I'm concerned. I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Is everything okay? Uh, sometimes that's a visit at your front door saying, hey, what's up? We really miss you at church. Is everything okay? That's me as a pastor helping guide you and keep you on track. Now, some people hate that. They hate accountability. They don't want anybody checking up on them. Uh, they won't fill out a connection card that has any information on it because they don't want anybody uh, doing nothing, right? Sometimes people will give me an email address. Um, I had a guy one time came, I love the church. I love it. I can't wait to be back next Sunday. I said, did you get a chance to fill out your connection card? Oh, I don't believe in those. And I said, well, I would love to have it just so I can pray for you. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And so uh, he wrote his, uh, his name on the connection card and asked him information about his work and where he worked and what he did and stuff like that. And, very vague in what he would say and stuff like that. And he said, I'll just give you my email. That's the best way to reach me. I said, okay. And so he wrote out his email. And I read it back to him to make sure that I had it right. And he goes, yeah, that's right. Next day, I go to email the guy, and it bounces back to me. That he gave me a bum email address. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? And it's like, I know where you work, man. And it's like, if I really wanted to get you, I'd get you, you know? I ain't trying to get nobody, though. I'm trying to help guide you on your spiritual journey. That's my job as a pastor. So, I say that because I want to say this. When I look out and I see you on a Sunday morning not singing, that worries me as a pastor. It's kind of a red flag. Like, is everything okay with you? And there's been times for me, you saw it this morning. I started singing the wrong verse, you know, because I was so wrapped up in the awesomeness of Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, taking my sin, my guilt, my shame, and rising again, I bless your name. And I just got lost in the thought, and I started singing the wrong verse. I get it. That happens. There's times where I've seen people where they're overcome with emotion of what they're seeing or what they're hearing, uh, that they close their eyes, and they begin to, to think and meditate. I'm talking about the people who just got a cup of coffee in their hand and are staring up at the ceiling, looking around, looking at their watch, pulling their phone out, scrolling for a bit. That worries my heart because we sing with our hearts. And if you don't have a reason to sing on a Sunday morning with a risen Savior, I'm a little bit concerned for you. So singing is a heart thing. It's, it's not a, a voice thing. It's not a matter of, well, I don't like to sing around people because I'm embarrassed or I don't have a very good voice. It's a, it's a, matter, it's a heart issue. And so when we don't sing, it's, it's a concerning thing because, we're, first of all, we're commanded to sing. Second of all, because my heart has changed, I now have a reason to sing. I remember uh, when Angela and I first started dating, um, Man, every love song that came on the radio, I would get like all teary-eyed and choked up and be like, oh, that's so me right now, right? Uh, I mean, just like, uh, and then uh, I wasn't walking with the Lord at this time, and so I'm gonna confess that before you right now, but I got I hit an R&B phase for, for a while, right? That like, I listened to like slow jams and stuff like that, and it's just like every time I'd hear a song about some dude talking about his lady, and it was a real raspy voice, I'd be like, oh, that's my wife, that's my, my wife-to-be right there, right? I was just, it kind of hit a phase like that, you know? But man, it fired me up, you know, why something changed in my heart. Christian music, worship music, praise music should fire us up because something's happened in our heart. Man, I don't know about you guys last week, but it was awesome. This room was jam-packed to the gills. We had folks standing up in the back uh, on Easter Sunday. It was awesome. And it was almost like the rafters were buzzing as we were singing. Oh, man, I was fired up. 
talking about how Jesus Christ, uh, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away, rising, he justified freely forever, and someday he's coming, oh, glorious day. Man, what? I got fired up by that. I got chicken skin just talking about it, right? Why? Because something had changed in my heart. I'm a child of God now. I'm saved now. I once was an enemy of God. I was once on my way to hell, but I'm not because of a risen Savior who died in my place. I got a reason to sing now. Psalm 40, verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Here's the key, though. We must make sure that our song matches our heart. If you're going to sing on a Sunday morning, make sure that what you're singing actually matches what's going on in your heart. Because it would be a terrible thing to sing lies to God in his house. It would be a bummer. So I need to check myself every single day to make sure that my heart is right with God. Because if I'm going to sing to God, I want to sing with my heart. I want to make sure that what I'm singing is the truth. Next, we sing to the Lord. And let me just kind of pull over here for a second and say this too. Uh, Our church is incredibly conservative. Very, very, very conservative when it comes to doctrine in the Bible. And I think that's incredibly important. It really is. So when people ask me to describe our church, I say we're super conservative when it comes to matters of doctrine and the Bible. But we're very, I would say, liberal when it comes to uh, the praise and worship of our God. We're very liberal when it comes to giving grace. We're very liberal when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, meeting people where they are with God's grace and stuff like that. And when it comes to our time of worship and and song, sometimes I see people, uh, when they start to sing, they they raise their hands up like this, and they look around and see nobody else's, and they kind of put their hands down in their pockets. Don't do that. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. Go for it. The only problem with that comes is if you want to make it all about you on a Sunday morning, this is not the place for that. You know, if you want to start making laps around the auditorium while you got your hands up in the air, don't do that, okay? They save that for another day or save it till we dismiss and we'll let you run laps after everybody's gone. That'll be fine. But here's the thing. If you want to raise your hands and worship to God, go for it. You want to put a hand up? You want to close your eyes? Do it. Now, I'm never going to tell you to do that because it's always awkward. You ever gone to a concert and everybody, all right, everybody clap your hands tonight, clap your hands. It's like, I don't want to clap my hands. I don't. No, get on your feet, clap your hands. The worst is a church service. Raise your hands if you love the Lord tonight. Well, I love the Lord, I just don't want to put my hands up right now. But if I don't put my hands up, then you're just going to automatically assume that I don't love the Lord. So I'm going to put my hands up because you said to. And then we'll look at my watch and about 30 seconds has gone by, I'm going to put my hands down because I don't want to feel, I don't want to do that. So I'm never going to tell you that you need to do that, Okay. I'm never going to tell you to clap on a Sunday morning if you don't want to. And somebody up here on the front row is almost clapping like that. They look around, nobody else is clapping. They just kept on clapping. Yes, go you. Get it. You know why? Because the Lord put something in and make them want to clap this morning. Clap. Go for it. You know why? Because you're not doing what you're doing for the person next to you. You're not doing what you're doing for me. You're singing to the Lord. He is our audience. We have an audience of one person. That's it. And so... If God is our audience, it doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks. Frankly, there's some people in this room that I've heard you sing before, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> but you know what? I love it. I love it. You know why? Because you're not singing for me. 
I love it when people have a really bad voice, but they belt it out anyways. You know what that says? I don't give a rip about anybody. I'm singing to Jesus this morning. And that's a very, very good thing. Go for it. Why? Because God is our audience, and we want to please him. Uh, and that's why, again, if you say, well, I don't really like the music yet, who we call it? We're not singing to you. And when it's your birthday and we sing happy birthday to you, we'll let you pick out a song, okay? Uh, but it's not your birthday, and we're not singing to you, so it doesn't really matter what you think about the songs. We're singing to the Lord out of worship and praise. Honestly, music is such a divisive thing. There are people who have come to our church and never come back because of our music. And, and you know what? If music is the only thing that's going to keep you in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, you probably shouldn't be here anyways. In this case, who we call is not for everybody. I get that. And, and I, I hope if you're looking for a church, I hope who we call can be that place. If it's not, uh, find the place where God has you to be jumping with both feet and, and go full throttle. But if you need, you know, 12 musicians on the platform and lights and smoke and everybody on their feet and say, you know, if you love the Lord, shout it out this morning. This is not the place for that. It's just not. And I'm not saying anything bad against any place that does that. This is just not that type of church. Our, our music is intentionally simple. We do it on purpose. Because God is the object of our worship. Other people will be blessed by our act of worship. No doubt, when we gather together with other Christians and sing truths, it encourages our hearts. Other people can be blessed by us worshiping together. So I don't really care if anybody likes my singing, but they can be blessed by the fact that we're worshiping God together. Man, again, the song we sang last week, uh, Living Hope, the God of ages stepped down from glory to bear my guilt and to bear my shame. Man, like, first time I heard that, I got all choked up, and I couldn't even talk. Man, I don't cry. I wish I could cry, but I didn't. I just got all choked up and couldn't talk. And, man, hearing a room full of redeemed children of God belt that out on a resurrection Sunday, man, it just got me nine kinds of fired up about that. And I'm blessed by other people worshiping God together with me, but entertainment is not the goal. The goal is to come here and have a good time. Hey, Go watch a movie for that. You want to you wanna be entertained, go to a concert. So if you ever walk away from a service at Hui College going, man, that's special today. just wasn't that great. Man, did you hear Pastor? He got the words all messed up on that last song. He, he's a mess. I don't even know why he leads music. Hey, you missed the point. If you were looking to be entertained here, it's the wrong place. There's a guy who attended our church for a while, and uh and he came for probably six weeks or so, and then he left. And I saw him at Walmart one day. I walked around the corner, and I said, hey, what's up, Tony? And he's just like, oh, hey. And I said, I haven't seen you at church in a few weeks. Is everything good? And he goes, you know what, honestly? He goes, when I first started coming to the church, you were super funny, but like the last couple of weeks that I went, you didn't tell any jokes, and it was just kind of boring. <laughs> and you left because I stopped telling jokes? He goes, yeah. And I go, that's a funny joke, Right? And so basically, the entertainment value had worn off for him, so he bounced to another place with a funnier speaker. Uh, and look, again, if entertainment is the goal, this is not the right place. Again, we're intentionally simple. Uh, we could have, you know, there's a lot of musicians in our church. We could fill this with an orchestra if we wanted to. We got people in our church that can, can sing really well. We could, man, fill this platform full of people. Man, we could get some crazy lights going on. And no doubt, we could put on a really big show. But who's the show for? Does Jesus care about 12 people on the platform shouting and jumping around and things like that? I don't think so. 
Do we need a smoke machine to bring in the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't really think so. So when people go, oh, the music just seemed kind of dry to me, it's intentionally simple because Jesus is the audience and our heart worship is the goal. And so we do what we do on purpose. Now, how do we sing? We sing with a heart filled with gratitude. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises into the name of Most High. We're thankful when we're blessed. This is an easy one. I'm gonna praise God because things are good. I'm gonna praise God because my kids are healthy. I'm gonna praise God because my son got uh, good grades on his report card. I'm gonna praise God because I got money in the bank left over after I paid my bills this month. Praise God, man, God's good, right? It's easy to praise God when things are well. But we also are thankful for the hope of future victory. I give praise knowing that God is gonna eventually work everything out for my good. I know that one day, because I'm a saved child of God, I'm gonna be in heaven with Jesus Christ for all of eternity, and I praise God for that, future victory. Here's the tough one. We're also thankful in the middle of trials. This is a hard one to be at. I promise it's tough to say, God, I'm going through a rough spot here, but I'm thankful for it. God, I don't really know what's going on, but I know that you do, and I, I trust you. And praising God in the midst of trials is one of the most comforting things in the world. I know it seems, uh, it seems like the opposite of what it should be. And I'm telling you this, when you're going through a rough spot, would you just turn on some praise music and start praising God? Grab a blank sheet of paper and write down 50 reasons why you're thankful. 50, you go, 50, that's a lot. I promise you, it goes like this. You get to about 20 and you're scratching your head and then you get to like 25 and you just clear the rest of the page out because you realize how good God is and how simple things you have to be thankful for. And so we praise God when we're in the midst of trials. James 1, 2, my brethren, count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know where the book of Philippians was written from? Prison. Paul wrote a letter from prison. And he said, hey guys, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear me the first time, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice be thankful. First Thessalonians 5, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, the foundation of gratitude is the expectation of nothing. You see, when I got my hopes up that I'm gonna get something and I don't get it, then I'm let down. But if I realize that I deserve nothing whatsoever and anything I have good is a gift in God's grace, I'm, I'm ultra thankful for it. But the problem is many times we expect things from God and when we don't get them, we're disappointed. But if we realize that God owes us nothing, that anything good he gives me is, is his grace. I can be thankful and give gratitude for that. And we're thankful in Christ. Giving thanks always unto the, to the Lord, uh, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has been so good to us, we give praise. Because Jesus is so good, we give thanks. Because God is so good, we sing. Amen, we sing loud. And we don't care who hears it. And we don't care if it's good or if it's bad because we're just singing to the Lord and he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. If we wanna put our hands up and sing, we do that. If we wanna close our eyes and sing, we do that. If we wanna clap, we clap and we don't care what anybody else thinks. We don't care if anybody else claps. I'm gonna put my hands up. Nobody else puts their hands up. I'm gonna put my hands up because it's not about them. It's all about Jesus and I'm so thankful for him. This is why we sing. 
Unfortunately, sometimes there's people who come, uh, they've got it timed. If they come at about 1040, we're usually done with all the music and no shaking hands. And they just get to sit in the back and hear the preaching. Hey, you're missing out on praising the Lord with the redeemed body of Christ. That's a benefit of being a part of a church. You're missing out on doctrinal truths that have sometimes been sang for centuries by Christians. You're missing out on the good part of being a Christian. Praise, worship, not just songs, but the way that we live our life. I want to encourage you with this. If you want to absolutely revolutionize your life, and again, I'm not saying that just with big flowery words here. If you want to revolutionize your life, take a seven-day challenge. I'm going to listen to only worship music for the next seven days and see what it does to my heart. I'm not going to flip it on anything to the radio. Now, I used to back in the day when we'd say stuff like this, you'd be like, there's some CDs that we have in our bookstore. They're $10. I'm going to mark them down to $5 today. Hey, we don't need that anymore. We got Pandora. We got Spotify. You got YouTube, for heaven's sakes. I mean, find solid worship music. And again, worship, is, worship music is music that draws my heart towards the things of God. It's not the junk that you hear on K-Love that's positive, encouraging, that is basically Taylor Swift with Christianish words to it, right? That's not worship music, okay? Worship music draws my heart closer to the heart of God and speaks solid doctrinal truth into my life. That's good stuff. Take seven days, listen to only worship music and see what it does to your heart. And at the end of seven days, you go, that didn't really do anything for me. You can go back to your Garth Brooks or whatever you listen to or whatever, but I'm telling you, if you say, I'm gonna listen to music that draws my heart closer to the heart of God, it'll change your life, change your life. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about what type of music we listen to next Sunday. We'll look again at some biblical principles that guide us uh, into to singing good doctrinal music. But the most important thing in the world today is not what you listen to. It's not whether you sing in church or not. The most important thing is knowing for sure your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. And if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you are saved, you're not sure that you're a child of God, you're not sure there's ever been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Please don't leave here today without knowing for sure that you are saved. And then when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved child of God, you can sing the song of the redeemed next week. And man, we're gonna, we're gonna lift it up next week. We're gonna crank it up. Next week, we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing loud because we are saved. We are redeemed. We are now the children of God together. And you know when we're gonna do that again? Every other week until Jesus comes back. Every Sunday... From now until Jesus comes, we will gather together and praise and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords because we are redeemed. That's what we do forever. It wasn't just an Easter morning thing. It's an every Sunday morning thing. Hey, we're gonna gather together at five o'clock tonight and, and, and praise and worship God together. I wanna encourage you. Make it not just a Sunday morning thing, but make it your lifestyle, your praise and your worship towards the Lord.